welcome to Better Being Me. I am your host, Joanne Hatchard. Better Being Me is all about celebrating the neurodivergent woman, learning how to be safe and secure enough to drop the masking, embracing the true version of who you are. My goal is to share my stories and those of other neurodivergent people that prove we are not alone in our difficulties. And together we can be celebrating how we have overcome our challenges and fully embrace our life. I want to promote our unique perspective of the world. Uh, Welcome to Talking Twaddle with Better Being Me, Joanne Hatchard, and my guest today is Beck Newell. I'm so very excited to have this chat because I've been working with Beck for, I think, two years now in different capacities. And most recently, um, they are the people that are responsible for my podcast to actually get out of my own computer and out into the world, which has been no small feat um, on their behalf. So I am eternally grateful, eternally, eternally grateful for the step of getting it out into the world because I was in a in a little black hole of nothingness and Beck came along with their awesomeness and just sorted it out. So thank you very much, Ooh. Beck. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> thank you for sharing your awesomeness. But we're gonna jump straight into how awesome you actually are because you've <laughs> blown me away. I think in the last 12 months, maybe 18 months, yes, 18, 18 months, 18, you yeah. have written eight books, nine, nine books, plus <laughs> a full plus, novel. Yeah. And plus um, illustrated another one. So I and think illustrated. the collection now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. But just a few. <laughs> just a few. So this is yeah, the Iron Man. <laughs> Yeah, so that is one of the benefits of hyper-focusing is completing projects. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the detriment to that is the ignoring the rest of the life. Mm-hmm. Yep. But <laughs> I think it's nice when you actually get something at the end of it, whereas yes. hyper-focusing on research doesn't tend to get you further than, you know, an obnoxious conversation that you can have with people <laughs> that haven't read the research yeah I wasn't it's something that I've had to learn actually finishing things because I'm very much like I'll get sort of two-thirds of the way into something and then I'm like oh shiny over here like <laughs> do something else I'm I'm not diagnosed ADHD but I'm very certain I am <laughs> um and so it's been a real um self-discipline sort of thing to actually finish something before starting something else so when I was younger like I'd write like like in year two we were given an assignment to write a story and I wrote like six double-sided pages but the story never finished (laughs) (laughs) it was always and then and and that was pretty much the pattern right through and then even when I went to uni I've been to all three unis here (laughs) and only finished one degree (laughs) (laughs) but finished a degree nonetheless I think that is so common for neurodivergent folks to have just such a scattered study history I think my not I think I know I have several unfinished degrees that I started why I started some of them I can't actually remember usually for someone else's benefit that's usually what it is Mm -hmm. there was like a double degree in commerce and business I started commerce to impress my first serious boyfriend's father it didn't (laughs) (laughs) I failed accounting twice (laughs) 
I didn't even like it. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, I didn't like it either. I like the micro and macro economics. That Yes, yes. That, that was my favourite part fancy. too. I did have a brilliant lecturer as well that was just absolutely captivating. Mm. Um, he really knew his stuff. And so I think that was why that became my, but the problem was then I'd study that. Yes. And not the rest. Yes. <laughs> and prior to that, I think I've got an unfinished Bachelor of Arts degree with a major in drama <laughs> or a minor in drama. I did end up finishing my Bachelor of Arts with a mar- like a major in psych. Mm-hmm. but like 10 years after the fact yeah 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 so study yay <laughs> but also it really needs to I think like you said it needs to have a captivating lecture yeah or all the content um yeah. my degree that I finished was nursing and one of my special interests is definitely the human body and everything how it behaves and acts and all of the chemistry that goes with it and so I passed that with flying colours. I got, you know, distinction average ones on all of my pracs, which was the top mm. mark. But then I hit the real word of nursing and just went. <laughs> bom, bom. So academia is definitely my thing. Mm. Um, but I tried to return to study recently and found that my brain just won't, just won't do it anymore. So. And I think there's a difference though, studying before family and trying to study after family. Mm. Yeah, well, the nursing was during. During <laughs> I had my third child while I was doing my nursing degree, finished a year after everyone I started with. Yeah. And, you know, climbed through it tooth and nail and then only used it for nine months. Because <laughs> hello, burnout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't know I was autistic and I didn't know that my pain issues and body issues with fibromyalgia, I hadn't been diagnosed with either of those yet. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the main thing I regret looking back, you know, when I figured out I was autistic. Um, and I look back through my life, it all made sense. And it was the main pain point for me was realizing that if I had known I was autistic going into that job, mm. um, I would still be doing it now. Yeah. But I didn't. Yeah. yeah. So there's you been a lot of letting go. The right accommodations. Yeah. And just knowing in myself my reactions to things, I ended up having a complete meltdown, mm. hiding in the bathrooms, crying for like three hours on a night shift mm. <laughs> and mm. left that shift and never went back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, and they, they were happy to let go of me because I'd had three months of sick days in nine months. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's clues here. <laughs> like, I don't know. But so they were very happy to let me go. But someone said to me, lady, you know you could have sort of fought to stay employed and be paid a half wage and all this bit because it was a government job but anyway I didn't I didn't know any of those things so no and when you're in the middle of burnout you don't care about solutions you care about cocooning get out (laughs) run away that's my run 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 run. yep so I did (laughs) yep yep and you know that doesn't solve any problems but it takes away the pressure to do anything else yeah and that's I think half of the Half the point of cocooning is to just remove any of those external demands. Definitely. That you can't bugger all about. When you're and I mean, see, I was working point eight, but I mean, I had a 10 month old at home who mm. I didn't actually really bond with until he was about that age. Mm. That's Monty, number three. Um, and I felt like I was never home. Mm. So, because you do late, early shifts. So you go to work before they're home from school the older ones um then you're at work until 10 mm. and you come home go to bed and then you're up and gone yeah you, know, you start work at seven you're up and gone before they get up yeah so I'd go 
what's that like over 24 hours and I wouldn't see my kids mm-hmm. and it just that's I'm a very maternal person and that just didn't work for me at all so yeah yeah, yeah. because it's very still so much like we can talk about and the maternal bonding and stuff but if it's out of sight out of mind doesn't matter how much you love them there's just the bonding doesn't exist until you're yep. in the same space and I am very much that is very much one of my problems I know that one of the the see I get a preview to the podcast because <laughs> yes it's true but by the time this one is playing you will have heard <laughs> Ali talk about the out of sight out of mind mm. um I am definitely that person if someone is not right in front of me they are not in my brain at all mm. and it has been mistaken for me not caring and I hate that because I care so deeply mm. so so deeply um but yeah especially with kids and I guess that was what was going on with Monty was that he was this little not talking yet not really interacting much of course he was autistic we didn't know that then mm-hmm. none of this had sort of well, it kind of started by then but you know obviously yeah. we were all autistic but we hadn't started our journey with that properly mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. um and so I wasn't getting much back from him when we did interact yeah um and I guess I was just so focused because my focus was my studies and then my work yeah it just didn't didn't click into place until later so yeah well, we're yeah. very close now so you know <laughs> yes yes I can attest to that and it's I think it's it's saying it can sometimes kind of be an induced trauma can't it because mm. the late diagnosis for both you um and not so much late diagnosis for Monty but like a, how old was he when he got diagnosed he was actually 10 yeah. We, we knew from he, the time he was two, mm. um, but we couldn't get anyone to listen to us because he was, you know, that non-typical presenting because he could, what did the psychologist say? He can make eye contact and have a conversation. So therefore he can't be autistic. Yeah. 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 And I'm wondering, did the psychologist kind of emphasize that you're any attachment style for that did they suggest that it was no but they all wanted to send me to parenting classes and every single time and this happened with my older two as well before the the period we're talking about Mm. um and they're all diagnosed now all four of my children diagnosed autistic Mm -hmm. level two three mix of Mm. um and so they actually need quite a bit of support and it's quite it's quite full on yeah um it started with my youngest being diagnosed and he's the most obvious do you know what I mean so and then it trickled up (laughs) through the family including me yeah um but no even with the older two I had them at cams and numerous psychologists and they would all just want to send me to a parenting course yeah that really doesn't help when you're already feeling insecure about your parenting to start with yeah um that doesn't help (laughs) no because what they're looking for I guess is an atypical they're seeing an atypical response to your children from you and they're wanting something else. Yeah, which there was a reason. Yeah. <laughs> there was a big reason. Yeah. 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 So even that kind of can invoke feelings of guilt and shame because and frustration, if nothing else. Big time. Yeah. Really big time. Yeah, that is something that has been a feature of my yeah parenting journey absolutely yep yeah yeah and, I know, and it I doesn't stop the when they're adults it doesn't stop no, well, <laughs> you're still a the mother, like, 18 year old now yeah it's still going 
It's still happening. I mean, I'm sure mum still feels guilty when I'm doing something stupid now. <laughs> I'm 43. <laughs> yeah, well, I hear plenty from my, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's true. <laughs> I'm sure it's true. But it never ends. <laughs> parenting, I know that I was at absolute breaking point for the first three years of becoming a mum with Gilbert. Yeah. And did not have the language to ask for help, know what was happening for me. Even the whole of pregnancy, I don't know how pregnancy was for you, but for the whole of pregnancy, I can reflect now and say I was disassociated 110%. People were worried about me and I didn't know why, but it was because I had high blood pressure. I was stacking on the weight. I wasn't moving because I was 100% nauseous all the time. You've taken away my coping mechanisms of, you know, alcohol, cigarettes and sex none of that is happening yeah. so I have no coping mechanisms and you want me to smile and wave mm. and I was excited to become a mum but absolutely fucking no coping mechanisms whatsoever yeah I I breezed through my pregnancies with my boys and then not with my girls mm. and then there's a story to that because of course my youngest is now identifies as a boy but was mm. a girl pregnancy right mm. um I was very ill with my girls um and it's funny because with my first pregnancy it really I mean I was 22 or something I was young um Mm. this was my first marriage um and but I can remember because he was overdue and I remember saying to my mother-in-law at the time something about oh I'll be so grateful to oh no that's right it was the other way around I was I was so happy to stay pregnant because it was breezy and it was fun and like it was okay and I could wait to have the baby it must have been about a month out from having it because by the time he was due I was like get this thing out of me but and my my mother-in-law at the time just thought I was so weird for saying that Mm. you know pregnancy was a good thing and but no I I have had the converse experience of having awful pregnancies as well so Mm. with my fourth I had a tubal ligation after um his cesarean because that I was not doing that anymore Mm nope (laughs) and I have no self-control so I would have had I always say I would have had in a different generation I would have had 10 children like my grandmother um so and sure enough about three months after having my youngest I was like I would have had a baby and it was just as well we had made sure that was never going to happen again (laughs) and then all four of them were diagnosed with autism anyway and while that's wonderful it is imagine having 10 (laughs) and it doesn't stop yeah 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 and they've all got different needs so what I thought I could cope with when they were all little Mm. it gets bigger as they get older yeah bigger and different so I'm glad we stopped at four very very glad (laughs) but I had common sense at some point along the line (laughs) (laughs) common sense prevails isn't that what they say (laughs) but yes it's amazing I think, well, sometimes I don't like dwelling on hindsight too much, but the lessons that you can learn from seeing that you survived probably some of the most traumatic times that autistic burnout brings. Mm -hmm. And now here you are thriving. You've identified, (laughs) you know, you are thriving by comparison. Yeah. There's always more room, like there's always room on above the steps and below the steps to wherever yeah. you are, right? There's yeah. always room to move, always 100% of the time. So especially especially when you think you've hit rock bottom. No, you can go further down. <laughs> I don't say that. 
<laughs> there's always room to move <laughs> but I see you embracing so many different aspects of who you are now there's the identifying as non-binary for yourself mm-hmm. um embracing Pete's change to um boy mm-hmm. and he's thrived since that moment in time as well yeah he's kind of just allowed it to be and yeah. that's okay it's um, it's amazing it's it's amazing watching an eight-year-old because of course there's simplicity in that thinking that it just is what it is yeah there's nothing complicating it mm. he, I asked his permission to talk about him today and he said yes but he wanted to be on the podcast too <laughs> I said, can imagine was broken. <laughs> luckily it was time to go to school and that was a bit of a diversion <laughs> but yeah he was really upset that he couldn't be on as well I can imagine. <laughs> and then he's quizzing me. He's like, how many people listen to it? Like, how many people are going to know my story? Like, <laughs> he's a little budding celebrity. It's hilarious. So funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Well, this is one of the things that you've um, finished. So this was the first one that you published yes. of yours. Yep. Um, and it is the story of um, your son, Pete, when yep. they were Morgan. Yep. And I think it's gone to... A whole bunch of schools and stuff as well hasn't it because yeah so um the minister for autism picked it up mm. bought, oh, i think it was 10 copies in the end she was going to get 20 of each of that and um the funky feast or whatever it's called yeah um but she got 10 each in the end but yeah they're going to be recommended in schools yeah yeah and it's so i've even had there was a lovely non-binary teenager came to my stall at Rotary Park the last time we were there Mm. and they just you know they were drawn straight to it and even though they were say sort of 14 15 they bought a copy they loved it they're like this is me this is Mm. hmm. I am me yeah that's right (laughs) yep so it's good it's yeah so even though it's a story about an eight-year-old Mm. Or he might he might have even been seven at the time. Mm. But yeah, so but now the the see I've got a copy too. Now we've got to do I am Pete. Oh right, yes. Photos and about being trans. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so nice because even if that changes later for Pete, then it's still like, well, that's fine. Whatever. It's part of his story. He very yeah. much and it's funny because he talks about Morgan as if it's a different person. Yeah. It's interesting. Right. Mm. And so we haven't gone for any of the um, gender counselling or any of that yet. We're mm-hmm. waiting until he's a little bit older. Mm. But it'll be interesting to unpack what that all means for him. Yeah. Well, the tendency to refer to yourself as a third person in the past is a separation from that history. So yeah. it might be that right now this is what he needs to be doing to find security and comfort yeah whereas in the past he might not have felt that security and it's the key word for him is respect he feels like yeah. he wasn't respected as Morgan. yeah yeah so changing that mindset and as he grows older you know that may change and his understanding yeah. of what was happening might change so mm-hmm. yeah it'll be interesting we're just going see. with the flow just see what happens whatever yep, <laughs> yep. and and very luckily we are surrounded by people that have been very supportive. Mm. Um, all of his therapists just changed his name and pronouns on their stuff and they they use them and the yeah. school. It's funny, the principal says Pete, but she. 
still, mm-hmm. which I always have to have a bit of a chuckle with. But actually, I mean, it actually really annoys me. I'm like, come on, this has been like, it's almost a year now. Almost a year. <laughs> but she's an older lady and obviously can't. I think it's yeah. harder for that older generation. Yeah. So the only person we had trouble with in the beginning was my mother. Mm. So she's just turned 72. So she was 71 at the time. And we had talked about it at home and all about it. And then I posted on Facebook introducing Pete. Mm. She rang me basically in tears. She was shattered. Mm. Like, I just mm. don't understand it. what's going on. I don't, why are you putting it on my Facebook? Mm. Mm. Um, and it's taken a lot of time because um, Pete's eighth birthday followed soon after and everyone was there and she mum came as well and made a big deal out of saying oh the birthday girl are you going to cut the cake and and funnily enough we had the um the SA Ghostbusters here Mm. and one of them is a lovely trans woman Mm. um, who we met for the first time that day and she sort of went hang on did I hear that right because I don't think she'd picked up that Pete was AFAB at that point, mm, a mm. female at birth. Um, and straight away she came over and spoke to us about it and how amazed she was that we were just going oh, with yeah. it and letting Pete be Pete. And mm. <laughs> But, I mean, mum came around in the end, but it was a lot. Like it was a lot for her mm. to comprehend it, to let go of this grandchild, this granddaughter that she thought she had. And mm. But it's the same person. Like I just... Okay. I mean, I, I went through my own, oh, they talk about it. I'm in a couple of um, groups on Facebook of parents of trans kids. Mm. And there is a little bit of a grieving process, but I don't really feel like it was even grief for me. It was like, okay. And it's probably a mindset change, right? And that's a little bit because I can be quite. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it was just a bit of a switch. Mm. And then I, it was fine. But no, mum, mum was the one that took the longest out of everyone. But luckily school's on board, therapists on board. Um, when we announced... I tagged my husband in it as well mm. and we just got one WTF from mm. someone from his side of things. I just deleted it, move on, yeah. don't even bother. Yeah. He's got a yeah. lot of people from overseas that may not necessarily understand mm. and that was it. Yeah. That's almost a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> so and been- Pete's a force to be reckoned with so there's no. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, we sort of, it was six months before we, because I, I um, came out as non-binary November 2021. Mm. and that that is something that has been part of my life my entire life but I didn't have the language around Mm. it yeah Um, I was a tomboy when I was growing up I have never Mm. fit the classical female roles throughout my life ever Mm. Mm. Um, and I started reading about because of course I was going to look up the statistics and then I didn't Mm. Um, the figures don't matter anyway but there's a there's a much higher incidence of gender non-conforming in autistic people yeah so to begin with I was saying autigender Mm. but that didn't quite reach the spot that I was sort of meaning Mm. so then yeah I said non-binary and so then it was funny because Pete was the one at that stage still Morgan Mm. um, that was resistant with that to begin with Mm. (laughs) and he he refused to accept it yeah and then once the penny dropped for him I think that's when he went oh hang on there's this concept of gender and how do I feel and Mm. And so then for six months, he was correcting everyone, he, boy. Mm. And I was thinking, is he just doing this because we've opened up the topic and that's, mm. but yes, it is because we opened up the topic and he realised, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Mm. It wasn't the way, because you see 
um, parents in the groups all the time being either blamed by say they're separated from their partner and they get blamed by the other right. partner yeah. for drilling it into their kids about being Mm. trans and all that sort of stuff it's not that's not where it comes from it's ridiculous but anyway mm. um so we, we sort of resisted for a little while and then it was like this has been consistent like dead on consistent for six months mm. he has not missed a beat yeah let's go with it yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> and yeah no I know I know Pete so it is not so much easier because why fight it yeah so well, that's it why, what are you winning or losing no. by pushing back on it? You're not. No. And yeah. <laughs> so go with it. But I think there's also this this book, which is the was this the third one? Oh, that might have even been like sixth, I think. Something in there. But it was one Everybody that I produced in like five days. <laughs> yes. From it was a yeah, very easy one to yeah. Yeah, but body positivity. Of course, having been a plus size person my entire life, mm. um, it's very frustrating hearing still to this day all the misconceptions around yeah. obesity, and you know it's not always tied in with health. Like mm. probably until the past, I mean, I have high blood pressure now, but my bloods are all still perfect. Yeah, it's you know not what the I mean? Like it's done not, that. It's the stress. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I did have high blood pressure in my pregnancies, though, so they said mm. they said that meant that I would have it later on. Mm. Just maybe not in my forties, maybe more in my fifties. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was coming. <laughs> um, but you know, and, and apart from, of course, I've got fibromyalgia, and they say, "Oh, you've got to lose weight; the pain will go away." It's like, no, actually, that doesn't work. I've got a friend that dropped fifty kilos, and her pain mm. got worse because there was yeah. no padding on mm. her body to stop mm. the impact of things so um I get a little bit of joint pain which I guess is associated with carrying weight but I just this whole oh if you lose weight you'll be healthy there are mm. lots of skinny people out there that are unhealthy too <laughs> like <laughs> so I just think that really we all just need to accept ourselves for what we are in that time mm. um but also other people need to I don't know, it's hard because if you've grown up in a family that's all slim and you've had that stuff drilled into you all your life. Yeah. I get it all the time. We, um, my daughter and I went to a concert a couple of nights ago and she and I both take up more than a seat each, which mm. I know isn't pleasant for other people if you're crammed in. Mm. But these people weren't even right next to us. There were a couple of seats in between, but they went and got different seats. Mm. Yeah. And sort of sitting there thinking, now, is that because of us? I don't know. Yeah. And I've had people ask to move away from me in planes mm. and mm. anyway I think there just needs to be more acceptance <laughs> so yeah, yeah everybody is incredible and also with disability as well because I think it's mm. not represented enough yeah We've got the and the cochlear implant on one of the other pages too because there's a lot lot of medical devices and things that are obvious on the outside of bodies that people get you know if they don't understand it they might get scared of it but like with the nasal yeah. Yeah. Sort of things, even things. Like, yeah. And you know, we 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 get brought up or our generation did anyway. Oh, don't stare, don't stare. So you end up just not looking at those people. Yeah. <laughs> that's not so they spend their lives going, why are you no at looking at me? Like, <laughs> they're just human beings, just like everybody else. We're all just trying to work it out all at the same time. <laughs> oh yeah, and failing miserably some of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I talk about it quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, hmm, actually. Yeah. But so, and then one of my other ones was, um, that's another one I'm very proud of um, with the poetry in it because mm. uh, I've been obsessed with poetry ever since I heard about it, learned about it when I was in about year three. Mm. Um, and this one's especially written to encourage the child that's outcast and on the fringes of mm. you know social groups and yeah bullied or and amazingly all self-published so you've gone through the process consistently yeah I think so you should I can have complete how control to do that. hey yes well I yes. can have complete control <laughs> yes there is some control stuff that happens for yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of uh, safety and comfort and knowing this is the one that did make me cry <laughs> yes yes <laughs> that was so unintended that was yeah sorry I did scare me <laughs> when I sent you the manuscript to read and you're like well now I'm crying <laughs> and because I had never what's your little pal's name George yeah I had honestly because you've always almost always been tucked under your arm so I didn't know he was a tiger <laughs> you can't tell from my hairy armpit no. <laughs> George Yes, so no, that did make me cry. <laughs> so that one's, I think this was really cathartic for you to write though, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I call it my magnum opus. <laughs> yeah. And it's nice, I think, the contrast between what can happen, like the, these are kind of really intrusive thoughts and then a change of perspective. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I think... Brilliant. And then each each scenario it presents the child with, hey, look, you can turn to an adult for help. Hey, mm. look, you can say a positive affirmation to yourself. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Hey, look, there might be a friend just around the corner when you're feeling lonely. Like it's yeah, it's all those little things that I wish I had been taught when I was little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. I was yeah. so super lucky when I was little that I had. Oh look, see there's George. <laughs> I had a friend straight across the road. And, you know, when you're that young, it's always about proximity rather than choice. Yeah. But she was yeah. amazing as well. And, you know, I was older, so I was uh, allowed to control because I was older kind of thing. So looking <laughs> <laughs> back now, I was probably a little bit. And I used to get super jealous of her interacting with anyone else as well. Like uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Oh, it's tricky, isn't it? I had friendships like that too. I was always in trios for some reason, all the way through school and high school. Yeah. I was always one of a, a trio. That doesn't work. <laughs> they don't work, but it does. It makes it easier when you feel like stopping to, like, if you don't feel like talking anymore, then you're like, you can bounce into the other person. <laughs> Very true. Very true. I hadn't thought about it that way. Because I think through high school, I was a trio. Mm, I just vividly remember we went on aquatics in year seven mm. and of course it was pairs on the bus going home oh yeah and they sat together and yeah. left me on my own and that was just like <laughs> you gotta get used to doing things by yourself when you're you you kind of have to make it okay that that's that's what's going to yeah. happen and yeah it was hard because yes. year seven was really I mean I kind of had friends at school before that kind of here and there mm. so I mainly hung out with the boys so but then didn't quite fit like but in year yeah. seven I ended up with a whole social group 
but yeah, that trio oh, in the in the class and yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Navigating things like that. I don't envy kids these days, honestly, because well, my kids going through that stuff now because it's just complicated. Very complicated. Yeah. And it's interesting. And I think Gilbert is going to have a different experience again. Him, like he seems to be completely oblivious to how much he is adored. <laughs> <laughs> and true. just gets on with it. Like he just, I don't think he has a concept that not everybody gets a rock star welcome when they get to school. <laughs> I'm sure he just assumes that everybody gets it because he's late quite often. Right, um, right, right, because, right. You know, appointments and the fact that we're just late generally. <laughs> yeah. So he's generally walking in by himself and everybody t- turns around and goes, Gilbert, yay, Gilbert's here. And he's like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just go with the flow. Yeah, yeah. See, this is this is Pete as well. And I think he is starting to become it. Because how old's Gilbert? Eight. Okay, so they're a similar age. Okay. Yeah. But I think Pete is starting to become aware that his the response to him is a little different yeah to normal and we even got it by association the other week we um we went to the um annual general meeting Mm. and like 15 minutes before the meeting we decided that we'd be we'd put our names in for the governing council (laughs) and so they announced this during the meeting yeah so they said oh this this parent and this parent and this parent and then they said oh and pete's parents <laughs> Jason. and all the teachers went whoa pete's parents. <laughs> whoa. whoa hey right because <laughs> i hardly go near the school that's my husband's job so but um <laughs> i'm very invested from the sidelines but mm-hmm. going into schools just exhausts me that's a whole nother yeah with mum's groups etc 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 that's a whole other thing but um so he does all that but I was like wow okay popular. I never come here and I'm famous Yay! <laughs> I know Gilbert has the benefit of being the only Gilbert in the school <laughs> right so everybody knows Gilbert and yes I am Gilbert's mum but you know I guess that's an improvement of being Troy's sister one day I'll get this is Joanne <laughs> Yeah, Jason gets sick of Pete's dad, Pete's dad. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very proud to be Gilbert's mum, but Joanne, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. That's not as bad as when I used to get mail for the older two. I used to get Mrs. Reiki. Oh, right. Which right. was my ex-mother-in-law. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I wasn't no, no, even... no. <laughs> no, I'm like, no, 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 sorry. You need to change this. This is not okay. <laughs> Um, well, like we could ask you advice in so many different aspects from like self-publishing to parenting multiple children on, um, with autism, which all have different profiles, I have to say Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. No two are alike. Just to, just to extend your shits and giggles. Yeah. Shits and giggles from, (laughs) um, you know, the non-binary aspect. And then don't also forget. I've also got grandchildren now who are. Oh, that's right. So you get to be um, the grandma. Yep. So the eldest one has been um, referred for a um, assessment, and then the littlest, she's only thirteen months now, probably fourteen months almost. Mm. Um, and to begin with, I was like, "Is she going to be neurotypical?" <laughs> I was like, 
what are we going to do with it? <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do with it. Because I, I believe their mother is autistic as well. She's not yeah. diagnosed, but two of her brothers are. Mm. She certainly shows signs. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so I'm like, we've got this entire family, except maybe, see, the jury's out with my husband. Yeah. Um, but I think he's at least ADHD, at mm. least. Um, you know, at, no. due to his school history and all sorts of things, like mm. adherence to routine. And yeah, it's it's there. Mm. It's mm. there. Um, but yeah, just the past sort of, Oh, the other day, um, her mum posted some photos and she was laying laying on the floor. Yeah. You know how they do that sort of, they play with side on sort of thing. Yeah. And she was kind of up against the wall. Oh, that's right. She had her feet up on the wall. And I'm like, no, maybe mm. not. <laughs> okay. I don't worry about that too much. <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, I could see it. It amazed me. Because, of course, like I'm saying with, with my four, um, picking it up happened kind of gradually and slowly. And I had so many people saying, mm. you're reading into things. It's not real. It's not happening. It's just your parenting. Mm. So things were well and truly. The, the horse had bolted yeah. <laughs> by the time I actually had someone actually say, oh, yeah, you might be right. <laughs> yeah. But it's been funny watching Ryder, my older grandchild, grow up. And mm. from about eight months old, I could see it in him. Mm. and then as he got closer to sort of a year old I could see he'd get he'd get himself locked in little routine circles yeah like yeah where he'd sort of clap and then laugh and then throw his head back and then come back yeah. again and then do something else and then he'd yeah and then, he'd la, 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 and then I'd be like oh there it is <laughs> and he's still not I mean he's he's speaking better now but he's still not really speaking clearly mm. um if you spend enough time with him you can understand what he's saying but um so that's eventually why he was um, referred, I think, for a yeah for a diagnosis. And he and he has outbursts and the whole all the stuff, all yeah, the stuff, all the fun, all the fun. Yeah, yeah. But all the um, fun bits. so but it was interesting seeing it so early in him because, um, with mine, uh, with Monchi was the real oh my gosh, he's autistic. Mm. He had a piece of smiley fritz when he used to eat, mm. <laughs> and. He tore it up into even pieces and, the, and then he had Hot Wheels cars, which he placed equal distances around. He was two, by the way, mm. around this bowl. And then he put an equal slice of fruits on each of the cars. Yeah. And I went, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're in for some fun. <laughs> <laughs> I took a picture of it. I found it the other day because I always thought it was when he was 18 months old, but he was actually yeah. two. Yeah. But, um, and then took, yeah. Uh, eight years for someone to actually listen to me get on board and it is like it's such a big discussion around where did we I think we started this the other day with a different person um being an undiagnosed autistic person are you projecting your behavior onto your child and they're they're learning from their environment rather yeah. than being internally autistic themselves yes yeah so this was my my 18 now 18 year old who was mm. I think she was diagnosed about two years ago now um I used to say to her you know you're probably autistic too right like mm. when we were all gradually like I say it started with Pete Pete was the first to get diagnosed and then Monty and then it was her turn. And I think I was in the middle there mm. of the two lots of kids because I've got two from my first marriage, two from my second marriage. So then I knew it had to be me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a petty dropping. Like, anyway. <laughs> 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 but, 
Um, it took me so long to realise, honestly, like mm. I could tell that story in a second, um, <laughs> if I remember to come back to it. <laughs> it took a slap in the face for me to go, oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> anyway, just before my 40th birthday, I was like, oh, crap. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so she always, so Harriet, my 18-year-old, she always used to say, oh, it's just because everybody else around me is autistic. Like I've got the behaviours off everybody else. And mm. I'd be like, no, I don't. I don't think that's what's going on. <laughs> and, you know, she'd have all these friendship issues and she was behind at school. And mm. then she went through this, like, two and a half years of school avoidance. Mm. And I'd be like, no, I really think if we got you diagnosed, it might help with everything that's going on. Yeah. Oh, I'm mm. But now she fully embraces it. Yeah. I'm glad for that because she was so anti for so long. And mm. I think it took the rest of us kind of, and I suppose especially me, I'll, I'll take the <laughs> I'll take the credit, being positive about it and not saying it's, it's something like utterly shitful and horrible and it's going to destroy yeah. our lives. And yeah, it's not. And she's incredibly creative and mm. she's got this beautiful connection with animals and it's all those things that are there that, you know, sure, she struggles, but the benefits outweigh the, the struggles yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the earlier that it is embraced, um, then the struggles tend to be less. Yeah, and I guess that's where I, because neither of my older two finished school, mm. um, and I believe if they, if someone had listened to me when they were little, yeah, they would have had the support and the tools to finish yeah. school at yeah. least. Yeah, um, and that's where it I may get, not have been angry. like the supports that they have now may not have been around then. Yeah, that's right. So that's kind that's of a wishing game, isn't it? I think that's a bit that. Yeah, no, and I know, and I try not to dwell on things. Every now and then I'll have a day where I, I really think about all that sort of stuff and get really angry. Mm. And I, I did a um, day course one day about sitting in emotions. I can't remember. I think we discussed it. It's, it's yeah, a like that therapy that, and you sort of sit in it and acknowledge it and go, yes, this is how this feels. It's okay. Instead of trying to, because I'm very much one for, you know, I produce nine books in 18 months. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a diverter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so trying to sit in your feelings and actually really acknowledge them mm. and then go, okay, a couple of deep breaths and all right, okay. Mm. It's yep. um yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually just on that. I I struggle with identifying the emotion as well. Like I can see super happy and I can see super grumpy because arsehole, so easy to pick <laughs> out. Yeah. Um, and you know, a happy clapper, so easy to see. But it's the nuances in between where I can logically explain why I shouldn't feel bad about something that I really struggle with identifying where the feeling is and what the feeling is and what am I meant to do about it or the emotion or whatever. Yeah. Feeling, feelings is a word that I don't, I don't, because I don't feel anything. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not feeling it, but because it's such a foreign concept but an emotion, maybe using the word like an emotion allows that abstract mining to happen because yes. you don't have to feel it, but you can relate to it if that, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, I was, when I was editing one of the other, when I was doing those damn transcripts, <laughs> the other videos. Yeah, so which I, I appreciate to... greatly, by the way. <laughs> get to minutely dissect the <laughs> everything that's being said and I love it love it like it's my thing but um 
when you were talking about not feeling emotions, I think I'm the opposite end of that spectrum. Mm. I think I feel everything really deeply and like I was always told I was a drama queen when I was mm. little because something that might make someone cry a little bit, I'd be like wailing like. Mm. So my emotions are very raw and which I guess is it's just as nonsensical in the other direction. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. not knowing the feelings and then having the feelings and they're amplified like. <laughs> yeah. Ten times. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to explain because I still get, I still get moved, I guess, by like, I can cry quite easily. The reason why I'm crying, I may not understand. Yeah. So my body is reacting, but my brain is going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I cry for TV commercials. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that is a fairly good indicator for me on how stressed I am is how much I am on the verge of tears. And I think that's true for, for you know, for the yeah. majority of people. Yeah. Um, I think I think I know when I'm experiencing extreme emotion because I can't cry. Oh, yes. It gets to the point where it's like, I don't know whether it's nothing left to give or nothing mm. and there's just nothing there. Yeah. And that's when I know I'm really like, ah. <laughs> Now we've disassociated because. Yeah, well, yeah, I do with that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't even touched on my mental health issues. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> my coexisting. No, that's right. But, yeah, coexisting because I'm sure it's common in a lot of people, especially late diagnosed, because you spend your entire life trying to fit, you know, you're a square trying to fit in a round hole mm-hmm. and forcing it all the time and it just fractures you. It just yeah. so what is relevant of mine, I don't know because I wonder because mm. they slap you with so many labels and who knows. Yeah. But to have BPD, um, bipolar, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is about the only one I really actually go, yeah, that's, mm. that's for real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Depression and anxiety, of course. But I wonder about the BPD and the bipolar. I'm like, mm. Yeah. But I'm not confident enough to come off my lithium though. <laughs> Well, no, yeah, <laughs> that's something that you should do. So we are not a medical <laughs> reference no. in any way, shape, or form. You should take your drugs <laughs> questions to the doctor. <laughs> Just a disclaimer there. <laughs> no, exactly. Even though it's a yucky, yucky. Yeah. yeah. I don't like being on it, but yeah. I that's mean, obviously, a, like I would a... do it under direction. I would do it under the direction of a medical professional. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, I wouldn't just stop. (laughs) That's just asking for hospitalisation. (laughs) Yeah, and I think there may well be a significant proportion um, of, like, the the bipolar and the BPD being misunderstood and actually autistic burnout. Yes, correct, because I was that's when I was diagnosed with bipolar mm. was when I was in the most extreme autistic burnout of my life yeah that I ended up in hospital yeah yeah and the only thing the only label they could kind of go here have this one, this one. <laughs> was bipolar <laughs> yeah and I I remember like getting I don't, know, I, I don't think I, I was never depressed 
but I was stressed without a real reason for being stressed. Mm-hmm. But they gave me anti any anxiety or anti-depression tablet mm. and, and it just numbed me off like mm. just kind of a drooling zombie nothing no, no no so to me that means the medication wasn't working because it wasn't the problem no that's right and and some people can take um, anxiolytics the anti-anxiety and the antidepressants and they can work wonders and change mm. their life yeah like, honestly but that just has not been I've tried every kind. There's all different families of antidepressants and I've tried every kind and they either flip me into a mania, which is why they say I am bipolar mm. um, or they make me ill or yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've done a lot of work around making, sh- understanding stress because I'm always going to be like quite there. It's Murphy's law is that there is always going to be stress. <laughs> There's always going to be stress and it's how I'm dealing with it. That makes the difference. Yeah. Um, and yeah. having, having because part, the only part you can control, of course, is yourself. So well, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Having a partner where it allows me my internal monologue just to out. Yeah. Has alleviated a huge amount of stress because I think you and I do this, something very similar where we see issues in patterns that of the future that hasn't happened yet, yeah, yeah. but we're well invested that it will may happen. And this is causing me angst now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll explain what I'm thinking to Brad and he'll go, I think, I, I don't know. Did I tell you? I can't remember who I told this story to, but we were driving home and I've driven down this, like I've, I've made this trek numerous, numerous times in my many, many years of driving. Um, and we're pulling up at this stoplight and there were no cars in front of me, but the rest of the lanes were full. And I'm like, what's wrong with this lane? <laughs> what's happening ahead that I can't see that everybody Uh, else can see uh, that means that I shouldn't be in this lane should I change lanes now Brad and he's like (laughs) or it could just be an empty lane I went oh all right yes he's 100% right and it was just an empty lane (laughs) yeah like no vindication on my behalf to see that you know look see there's an accident that's why (laughs) no none of that it was that I just overthought it but having that ability to info it out meant that I could let it go close that circle off see it from another perspective and go you're right and relax into it I mean I didn't relax street but you know yeah it's a tremendous analogy though I'll have to put that (laughs) one away in the memory bank (laughs) because you just don't know it's like I mean I'll touch on it briefly because we're almost out of time but Mm. Um, we've just moved, of course, or we're moving, just about to move. Um, and we looked for a house for eight months and I was so sure we were going to end up homeless and mm. it's only really just, it's a who you know, not what you know, that ended up getting us a house and we've been very fortunate and it's going to be okay. Um, but for the whole eight months we knew about the situation, it's just caused so much stress. And mm. because I'm an open book, that meant the kids all knew exactly what was happening every step of the way when probably at least Pete shouldn't have been abreast of all of that mm-hmm. and so he's been you know his behavior has been a nightmare because I put all of that into him and he's just gone all right yeah <laughs> yeah eight-year-old can't deal with this yeah no so I don't know if I had yeah and I know you tried to tell me <laughs> along the way <laughs> but it sort of doesn't 
I don't know. I was so certain that it was going to go the way it was going to go, but mm. I, I was wrong. Wish I could go back until eight months ago, me. <laughs> it was all going to be okay. <laughs> Who would have listened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, not me. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, it's amazing. Oh, boy. What but, do they call it? Catastrophizing. I'm very, very, yes. very good at catastrophizing. Catastrophizing and future thinking I talk about yep. quite a lot with my thinking people. Um, the worst case scenario and that's exactly what's going to happen and nothing's going to stop it from happening. Yeah. And it's actually very rarely <laughs> what happens. But it's almost like, but I have to do this because I'm going to be prepared. I won't be disappointed when it does happen, but I'll be very confused when it doesn't. And I'll yeah. hold my breath until the actual worst thing actually happens so I may be hanging on to this for years and years and years until I can turn around and say see I told you so <laughs> <laughs> but see even as you're saying all that I'm still in my head going I'd rather prepare for the worst mm. and have it be better than that <laughs> and not anticipate the worst and then have it all turn to shit and go oh god why didn't I think of this yeah so I'm but still there is it. <laughs> always something in the middle yeah, I don't do down the middle. <laughs> there is always something in the middle. I know there are, the blase people annoy the crap out of me, the ones that oh, just God. breeze through life and then you have everybody clean have up challenges. the mess behind them. My, my that, best friend's a little bit like that, although I'm sure that's not actually what is going on under the surface. Like if you, but she's very private. So I think if you peel back the layers, you'd see there's not actually, and I can even think of a couple of things that are going on for her that aren't perfect. <laughs> It always looks from the outside like, oh, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> but especially the, I mean, just the whole, us both being on parenting payment mm. means we're at the bottom of the pecking order as far as society is concerned. And that just, mm. I mean, that I could do a whole podcast just on that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and being a creative person rather than going out and doing what, insurance sales or some crap, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well I think Whatever, actually like just something... on that point <clears throat> but there is one job that I recommend for anybody that is a um a catastrophizer is like an insurance adjuster yeah 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 so I'd probably actually be really good at that that's probably yeah. um what yeah. do they call that <laughs> the fact that, that that I plucked that out of my brain is probably <laughs> not commerce though <laughs> Yeah, not accounting for me either. <laughs> she says, still counting on her fingers. <laughs> oh, no. Like I was thinking. But anyway. <laughs> Two years of my life, I'll never get back. My accounting not finished degree. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but I love where I am right now. And I love the work that I do right now. And I love yeah. all the opportunities I have available to me right now. So I am very thankful and specifically very thankful that Beck has joined me and my podcast and she uh, they will get the joy of editing of editing this video and the this video and this podcast and <laughs> typing it all out no not typing it but you know <laughs> no correcting the misinformed <laughs> the auto transcript <laughs> Do you have any suggestions or final words for our listeners and viewers? Because we're on video too. Oh gosh, I don't know. You put me on the spot there. Go and look at my books. <laughs> <laughs> go buy my books is what you should <laughs> <be> say. <saying. laughs> yeah, go buy my books. 
Don't just look at them. Buy I'm that really fuckers. good at the sales, the sales side of things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but as the person that writes the show notes, you will also link in mm. your information mm-hmm. to your stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. That would be great. <laughs> Job off my list. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate your time and your candor and your availability and sharing all of your stories mm-hmm. and your awesomeness and also the fact that you edit my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> very happy to be of help. <laughs> now I go back out to the heat this afternoon and go and do more carloads of boxes. <laughs> Yay, moving, but house to move to. Yes. Freaking awesome. Yes. Very, very happy. <laughs> much relief. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to say bye for now. Beck, you say bye for now. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> bye. Bye.